1: Hello and welcome back to the Masterclass, the number one Manchester United tactical podcast brought to you by Manscaped. I'm Hader Abani, joined by my co-host as ever, Rob Blanchett. Rob, we have just watched an absolutely <laughs> dour game, I'll be honest with you. Poor performance, lack of intensity, lack of aggression against an Arsenal side who really there were, were there for the taking, Rob. I mean, look, they're a young and inexperienced side. Manchester United had a really big opportunity to put to bed that poor result last week, take advantage and push forward in the title race. And unfortunately, Rob, that's now you know five points dropped, which is a massive blow to our chances. So what were your thoughts on today? And are you feeling as disappointed as I am with the lack of intensity and aggression? That performance was worse than the Sheffield United defeat. And um, why
2: is that? Well, with the Sheffield United defeat, they played a low block. Manchester United struggled against the low block. Technically, tactically, that's an issue for United. It has been long-term and they got stung, you know, by a one-two punch. Today, they were playing an Arsenal team who are still a little bit green. They're definitely improving, I think, over the last few weeks. But you can see as as a football team that they have problems and issues themselves, maybe some gaps across the pitch in terms of personnel. But Manchester United today needed to kind of exert their will on this football match and show that their project is ahead of the Arsenal project. Now, I think in reality, what we saw today is that Manchester United are not particularly that far ahead of Arsenal. They are in the table uh, in terms of where United have been in the last few weeks, obviously at the top, um, now with a couple of bad results sinking below Manchester City. But without kind of being too alarmist or too over the top, there are still problems in this Manchester United team. And we saw it today that on a day where you just need to go and play a little bit of football, And when I say that, I mean, pass the ball effectively, be aggressive, do the basics, you know, go there and show that you're a better team than your opponent. Manchester United did none of that today.
1: Yeah, very fair, Rob. I mean, let's start with the the starting lineups. So we had five changes from the other night against Sheffield United. United 4-2-3-1 as usual. We had Fred McTominay return in the double pivot. Shaw, Lindelof, Cavani also came in. Look, when I saw the starting lineup, I thought Pogba on the left, which it was until McTominay came off with what looked like stomach cramps of some sort. I hope he's OK. And then my first thoughts were no Martial, no Mason. So we had Cavani and Pogba in that front three. I thought the approach would be different, less likely to play on the break, more likely to have more possession. And we saw that we had 56 percent possession at the Emirates, something we haven't had for a very long time. But all those things considered, and remember, Arsenal didn't have Saka or Tierney. They're probably their two best players this season, which is a huge bonus. You know, Arsenal's left-hand side is their main source of their attacks. Right-hand side, they don't attack much down it, much like us. But Rob, considering all those things, Manchester United did not take the game to Arsenal. They did not dominate the game, did not play with aggression. They didn't say, we're the team second in the league, not a team that's 10th in the league. I thought Arsenal actually looked more threatening throughout the game. And it's just not good enough, Rob, and... I feel like, and a lot of people are asking the questions, you know, what you, can United you do about their lack of creativity? It's a serious problem. You know, the strikers are the ones that get criticised, but what can they do when they're feeding off scraps?
2: You've got to go and buy some new players. It's, uh, isn't that my answer all the time when we talk about these things? You know, you can make your group as good as whatever its ceiling is, technically and tactically. You can work with them day in, day out at Carrington. You can find ways of creating the nuance that you need with ball retention and passing and all of those things. When you look at Manchester United today, they do not have anyone, even Paul Pogba. I think when you play Pogba and he plays deeper, it becomes a tougher game for Paul because he's got to create from 40, 50 yards away from the strike force. And that's difficult for anyone, you know, but we rely on him obviously to pick the ball up in those areas and get United moving. The problem is, is that whoever he's passing to, if they're they're not moving the ball successfully or in a kind of more progressive manner, then you just hit brick walls. So it's not Fred's fault next to him. We know Fred is not technically the greatest footballer ever, but you could see that when United were getting the ball through midfield and into the attack, they, they just kind of were running out of ideas and running out of bravery. So we can't live in this kind of alternative reality where Bruno Fernandes wins you the match every week. It can't do this. You need more from everyone. So let's look at why today's performance was as it was. One of the things that I said before the game, that United really needed to do well today, was to get the first wave press correct and the second wave press correct. And if they got that correct against this young Arsenal team, they weren't only going to get chances, but they were going to get three points. Because that was a simple, as simple as it could be for the key of the game to actually find your way into a winning position. Manchester United didn't get the first wave press correct, and they sure didn't get the second wave press correct. And the reason why the second wave didn't work is because the first wave didn't. So it's kind of it's, a, it's a one of these things, it's, it is a knock-on effect, where you see the team kind of move forward together and maybe drop back at certain times and working your way through that press. Now, Bruno is pressing, Cavani was pressing, but then you've got to look at the kind of the left and the right. Difficult for Pogba. I think obviously Pogba jumping back into the double pivot. That changed United tactically. That was a an enforced change. Ole could have brought Greenwood in rather than Martial. But I think what you saw there in Martial and Rashford. And I think the person we need to look at in that bunch this week specifically is Marcus, because he was poor today. They're always a heartbeat off Haydar. And I don't know why, because this is the thing. It's not about, it's not about motivation. I don't believe that. I really, really don't. I don't believe that these players go to games and they're not motivated. What I do think they are is a little bit scared. You know, I think at times they're kind of, it's just you live in your head a little bit too much sometimes in football and you've got to actually express it on the pitch. And you see that someone like Bruno doesn't really live in his head. He just, he leaves it all out there. Cavani just kind of leaves it all out it's there. It's an
1: Even thing, Rob. you got to think an, about some of these ex- players, ex- Totally. Play, tot- play, it play is to Mourinho, where they weren't pressing. Now they've got a new manager. It's two years in. And the chalk and cheese of what Oli wants to do compared to what Jose did. a lot of these were young players. Has it been coached out of them from a young age? Is it taking a little bit longer to get them to be like, the first thing is to look forward. Luke Shaw's got it. He's now decided, I know what I need to as a fullback, but are Marcus, Martial, Mason, to an extent, are they still in that mindset? Well, Mason didn't really pay for Jose, but they're still in that mindset where they're not going to press. I mean, my biggest issue, I mean, Gary, summed up, Gary Neville summed up perfectly, Rob. He said that the press, the biggest problem is that both sides are, are not pressing sides. So they're static in their press. They sit off. And when United or even Arsenal win it back, they're so deep, the opposition have time to get back into shape. And that's the biggest problem. We saw a few times when United did make, um, sorry, when they did get the ball further up the pitch, they were able to create chances. But apart from that, United are very, very passive. But Manchester United showed last season that they
2: can press. So I want us to kind of eliminate that. Way of thinking that this is these are not pressing teams. Arsenal are not a pressing team, but we don't care about Arsenal, we care about Man United. So let's look at that. When you look at the press, you have to be on the front foot. When that ball is going popping around the back line, you can't go and meet them when the defender has got the ball at his feet. You have to you have to anticipate it and close down the space between the players to be able to be effective on that press in the first wave and the second wave. You have to have a level of guesstimation. You know, you have to kind of know at that moment, right, I need to go in this direction. I can't wait for the ball to get there because then it'll pass through me because that means that there's no pressing going on. So first and foremost, this Man United team showed last season it can press. It might not be the best best pressing team in the world, but it can press. So let's forget about Jose Mourinho. That was two years ago. Yeah, these guys are not kind of uh, have a Jose hangover two, three years on. Yeah, like you said, Luke Shaw, he's not thinking oh, I used to play for Jose Mourinho and he gave me a ton of stick all that time ago, is he? He's now doing his job because he's got some pressure on him from Teles, So he's doing these things. I think what, what it is, it's more about options. So as I've said before, Marcus Rashford clearly carrying an injury again, clearly. You know, we know he had an injury a couple of weeks ago. Ole said he's clear to play and I'm sure he is clear to actually play. But you can see that as soon as he's carrying something, his decision-making goes completely all over the shop. Completely. And we saw it today. He gets the ball in the box rather than just adjusting himself and putting his foot through it and testing the goalkeeper. What does he do? He has a little bit of a dance. He he tries to tip it one way. He's trying to go the other way. It's too much. It's players either overthinking or not thinking at all. So there's a kind of middle ground there. Players, Haydar, have to take responsibility for the game. They have to. You know, you can look at sort of formations until you're blue in the face. You can look at maybe uh, tactical positioning and what Ole wants certain players to do. But you've got to lay it on the players and these kind of ones. You've got to say to them, you know, you've got to go and be more aggressive than the opponent in this kind of game. You're up against Smith Rowe. I think what I said in the last podcast was I wanted to see... Uh, Aaron wan bissaka just put him up in the stand. First big kick of the day. Go, go and put an equaliser on him. I know it's old school, but go and show him that he's not going to get time on the ball. And what we saw was in the first half that when Arsenal were playing through smith Row, he was having quite a nice time of it. A lot of space, driving through channels, driving through the centre of the midfield, taking, obviously, advantage of McTominay's injury. But it was all too soft and slow and, and just passive. And this is the Manchester United where the real Manchester United, I think this is where we still are as a football club. Up until the Sheffield United game, we were 15 games unbeaten. And I wouldn't say it's a smoke screen. As I said, the table doesn't lie and all of these things, but there's still a ton of development to do in this team. And that means buying more players, developing the existing players and getting the systems that work. Cause Manchester United have still, you know, they play transition football, play four, two, three, one and play quick. They hurt teams. Whereas today they played an Arsenal team that was quite rigid in the middle, kind of packed packed the area with numbers. Gave us a ball as well, Rob, didn't they? Fifty
1: six percent possession.
2: Well, again, I think we we mustn't get hung up by percentage stats because percentage stats can lie. You know, like it doesn't matter. Percentage stats don't win your football matches. Manchester United seventy eight percent against Sheffield United. So these things are not they're not they don't really matter. What matters is moving the ball from one to three, to six, and moving it along to the positions quickly with pace, with intent, with aggression, showing that, yeah, you're not scared to make mistakes. That you might make mistakes. What we saw with Man United was a five-yard pass. Maguire inside again to De Gea. De Gea's passing was shocking today, absolutely all over the shop. You look at that and even these small things, they start to scare the team. I thought Maguire was really lucky today at centre-back. Lacazette absolutely skinned him two or three times when he shouldn't have been, caught the wrong side. Defensively, United got away with that today. And you could see that they were a little bit shaky in terms of their decision-making. But overall, it was an abject performance. I think it was worse than Sheffield United in many ways because... This Arsenal team was young and there to be got at. If United have actually flexed their muscle today, I think they get a goal. I think in this game, you know, they didn't concede today, but I think at the other end, they get a goal. You think Cavani had one or two really good chances. Again, Cavani has started a match. Had not really done it, you know. We've talked about this on this show previously, where we want Cavani to start maybe because Martial has been so bad at number nine for a few weeks. But then you play Cavani, he doesn't really get shots off. He doesn't. He's not scoring goals as a starter, so that's a problem, isn't it? So there's bigger questions to ask you in terms of United's strategy going forward in the transfer market and what they need to do. The transfer market is about to close. I don't think they get anyone in before that happens. But th- again, this project is much longer term than just say the next six months.
1: It is a long term pro- project, Rob. But what alarms me is that when this side does have a bad results, it, it, you know, sometimes it snowballs into two or three bad results. And I don't think today, if we'd beaten Sheffield United today, drawing wouldn't have been a bad result. But you'd expect after that performance to go out and and just play with some some passion, some intensity, and it just wasn't there. I mean, there's a good question here, Rob, from the Green Devil. He's asking, we need to define creativity. Do we need more creativity in the team, or are the, play- the creative players that are there simply not good enough? And that's a really good question, because if you notice during the game, especially late on in the second half, neither side could control the ball. It was going from one end to another, and that's where United excel. But United don't have, any, have anyone in midfield, and we've been, we've been banging on about they need a defence midfield or someone to control the tempo of the game. But when United want to control the game, who is there to who is there to do that? You're looking at Pogba, probably not in that position. Although when Pogba moved centrally, Rob United started to play better. That period after McTominay went off to to the sec, end of the first half. Sorry. United were creating chances. Marcus had that chance as well. They looked better, but the problem is that when you need someone to take the sting out of the game, calm everyone down, straight after second half, uh, after second half started, Manchester United were so so lax on the ball. I think, yeah, I think it's really that question's really really good because w- let's
2: define creativity because it's so important to actually not just know what creativity is, but what we mean when we talk about creativity. So for me, the defensive midfielder position, yes, you would love an upgrade there. But that's not the real issue in this Manchester United team. We're not talking about, oh, United having real problems across in front of the back four, protecting, screening, all those things, The, the double pivot itself. I thought actually when McTominay was kind of fit before he got that injury in the first 15-20 minutes, United looked really solid with them in there. Why? Because they were working, they were aggressive, they were doing all the stuff that you expect Merk Fred to do. They're not creative players, of course not. The issue is is that Manchester United, in theory, have two creative players. Two in the whole squad. Yeah? Pogba and and Bruno. So if you don't get your elite creativity out of them, who do you get it from? You know, I, I tweeted at half time, you know, like you could look at someone like Van der Beek, but Van der Beek's not a creative. You know, he's not a creative in the same way that Frank Lampard wasn't a creative at Chelsea. He's there as a second man midfielder running in from the number 10 position. So that's what he does. But even today, you couldn't really change that because what would you do? You'd have to maybe lose Bruno or you'd have to try and change or go a bit more direct over the top of Arsenal, maybe to exploit Luiz. So those things are not really options for United. You need to actually bring in players to the football club. That can pass a ball. Actually, just put it on the floor and go ten yards. I can pass it. I lost count today the amount of times that I saw bad passes. And do you know why I say don't look at passing stats? Is because you can still make a pass that is completed. That's a crap pass. You can still go from
1: Maguire to Lindelof. That's a hundred percent pass. Do you want to hear something funny? Bruno Fernandez. Last time I checked, didn't get a chance to check before but about the eighty fifth minute. His pass percentage completion was 93 percent that's the best it's been all season and, and, it, doesn't it, matter. and it, it doesn't created matter. nothing and it doesn't exactly it doesn't matter so the whole the whole thing is is that
2: I know football fans like to pick those stats out and use them as their their reasons for either agendas for players that they like or dislike, and it, it becomes a running theme. And I will say as someone who, as a journalist, I'm not really interested in those things because they don't tell you the whole story. You know, you can pass the ball along the back line 400 times and get a 100% passing completion accuracy. The issue is, is that when you're passing from A to Z, how do you get there? Well, normally there's four or five passes in between. And the whole thing is that that move from back to front has to be be accurate in its kind of demeanour, in its outlay. So we know that Manchester City, when they do that, when it goes from back to front, they do it accurately. They do it smoothly. Now, you could blame Ole for that and say you're not as good as Pep Guardiola in terms of training your team for your expectations with your ball at your feet. Or you could just say that Manchester City have got better footballers that can do that, which I think is more the truth. Because you look at Manchester United, the ball carriers and the ball players in the team, none of them really can play an expressive pass. That's what I call it. You know, something where you kind of look up and you just see something maybe 15 yards, 20 yards away from you, and you can get the transition going. Pogba can do it. Bruno has done it. You know, even you said Bruno had a, a better pass Statistic rate today in terms of retention, but he was kind of in a no man's land today because you couldn't really link up with Cavani. So, big lateral issues for Manchester United in the sense that maybe only can be solved by going out and buying the next player. And we can talk about yeah, we want defensive midfielder. Yeah, we want an open Meccano We might want another fullback. We might want another striker. But the issue is the core of the team actually just playing normal football, Ada. Put the ball on the deck and pass it, pass the ball, pass the air out of the ball so people can't get to it. And you didn't see that. You saw today, if you watched the City game before uh with Sheffield United, Manchester City today only just got over the line one nil but they had big, long periods of the game where they just said to Sheffield United, you're going to run after us because we'll just play simple football. We'll play it five yards, ten yards. We won't always attack you. We won't always hurt you, but we're going to keep the ball. And if we keep the ball, it's going to make you tired because you're chasing. Now, United obviously didn't do that against Sheffield United. And today, this was a perfect chance for United to play through a bunch of young players against Arsenal. Players that have got issues either being someone like Willian, who's not played well when he came on, Obviously got a little bit of a knock. Smith-Rowe, you're looking at kind of um, uh, players out of position as well. You had Cedric playing. You had uh, no Abamayang. Plenty of opportunity here to hurt this Arsenal team. Manchester United really didn't take any of those opportunities. Ole will be pleased that he hasn't lost the game. That's first and foremost because this is the kind of game that you could have lost 1-0 if you didn't, you know, there was a moment of madness or something like that. But I wanted to see more today, especially after you've lost a game at Sheffield United. I'm not interested in winning titles at the moment. I really not, because I don't believe that this team is anywhere near that. They're top four pedigree, maybe, or they're, they're, they're good enough to go and chase and compete. But they're certainly not good enough to win yet. And that's up to Ole now in the next transfer market when this one is finished and done to make the right call in whoever comes in next. People saying to me, oh, what about Diallo? Well, Diallo doesn't make this team better immediately. He might be a little bit of a wild card. Rob, but he, it would he's be... a kid. He's yeah, a kid. and this is why San... like, Sancho might have cost £108 million. Would Sancho make this team better today? I don't I don't believe it would, not in a 4-2-3-1. You know, if you want to play 4-3-3, maybe. But not I'll, tell you, I'll tell
1: you I well, tell you, disagree with you there. I think Rashford saw a lot of the ball today. You put Sancho on that right. I guarantee one, there'd been better end product. Two, he might have scored that one. You know, late in the second half, when uh, Shaw made that cross. I oh, am sorry, first half as Shaw made that cross. I do, I don't, I don't agree with that. I think I agree when you said, for example, when we did, when we spoke after the Spurs game, you said, does Sancho change that? No, because there was issues yeah, in defence. But today was a lack of creativity. Now, I really do think Jaden Sancho hundred percent would have improved today, and I think he would have made more of an impact. I think he would have been his end product would have been better than Marcus. I think what we're seeing as time is going on, there are issues in midfield, but I think the right wing is proving to be a bit of a problem now because we played Pogba there against Liverpool, playing Mar- played Marcus there. I, think, I still think Mason's the best option there. I do agree with you. I know I said a couple of weeks ago, I want to see him at striker, but I'm just surprised he didn't start today, Rob, because he's looking like he's getting into form. He's looking direct. I think he could have done a lot more damage. Like I said, if you put, Sancho there for Rashford chance, I think he would have scored. If you'd put Mason there, definitely would. I think he would have scored. Those are the fine margins, but I do think United are really starting to feel the effects of not having a proper right winger as well. Um, I disagree with you just in the sense that I would have started
2: the team that started today. That was the best option for United, no doubt about it. Pogba playing higher up the pitch, out of the pivot, get the double pivot working and put your balance in there. Now, the reason why I said it about Jaden Sancho, and I don't want to go too deep into Jaden Sancho because he doesn't play for Manchester United, but obviously he was the target last summer. If you've got Jaden Sancho in this squad and you're going to Arsenal and you're playing 4-2-3-1, Jadon Sancho does not make you better in a 4-2-3-1. He does not go on the right. He does not cover back in those places, in those positions. He doesn't do the work. So he's great in a 4-3-3 three, three, or obviously you look at Bay- um, uh, uh, um, uh, Dortmund system and it, it works for him because that's the way they play. Manchester United don't play that style of football. And Manchester United can't pass a ball, Haydar. So what are you going to do? You're going to get the ball to Sancho where? Who's he going to pass a ball to when no one can pass it to him? So that's an issue, isn't it? So this is why we can't be too binary about our choices when we talk about selection. Now, I like to see Mason on the right. I agree with you. I think he's our best option still in a four-two-three-one on the right. Would I have started him today? No, because I don't think he's ready to start in this kind of game yet. I'd have been happier having him tucked up in my sleeve. And maybe then when McTominay got injured, I might have gone for him, put Rashford left and balanced Instead it like of Martial. that. Yeah. But, but the thing is, Ole, as I've said before, has a hierarchy, and I think most managers do. He looks at it that way. And there's no doubt that Martial is still a very important player to him. So he's looking at it like that. He's thinking, right, I'm going to make a positive change. Mason is still building his fitness up. So maybe I don't want to give Mason just over an hour. That might be too much for him. I'm going to save him for the end of the match. Because you also do need someone sat on your bench that you can bring on the last 15 minutes to be an impact player. So that's why he kept he kept him in reserve, and he brought Martial on. Now that's a very fine margins move. So Martial comes on, wins you the game. We do the masterclass, and we say, "Wow, didn't Ole do well there?" Because he brought him on. So I wouldn't have started with any different eleven. I think that's the best eleven for this team to play Arsenal. It's just that this play- this team didn't do it. The boys didn't do it today. You know these guys who were the best eleven that United probably could have put out today didn't pass the ball well enough, and it didn't look aggressive enough. And when you're in that kind of vortex of problems and emotions, then then it's kind of very difficult to know what to do as a manager. You can do something left field and then lose the game. You know, you can kind of look at this with 10 minutes ago and say, right, do you know what? We're going to pile forward, hurt Arsenal and win game 1-0. Or, of course, you leave tons of room behind. You get caught because your centre-backs are slow. Counter-attack is done. Lacazette looks quite busy and they score a goal and you lose 1-0. So suddenly you go from being a borderline genius to a borderline idiot. So there's always that kind of fine balance. Um, Now, I don't believe that Sancho makes this United team today against Arsenal better. He's a better player than what we've got on the right, but that's not really what counts. You know, United, we're never going to come here and play 4-3-3. And I don't think Ole will ever play 4-3-3 until he's got maybe two or three or four other positions sorted including centre-back, where we talk about you need pace in a 4 to play their centre-back. You need a proper defensive midfielder or someone who's at least box-to-box. United won't have that when Pogba goes, and I think he probably will. So there's you might have to buy three or four players to play that formation. If you're playing four two three one,
1: you just need to play with the best players that you've got at the moment. Very, very fair points, Rob. Uh, we've got quite a few questions, so I'm going to crack on with some of them. Guys, get your yeah, questions in. Questions. We yeah. will answer as many as we can thank you for all your great comments i can feel the frustration i'm frustrated my last point on this rob is that when united's two most creative players or two players that have got numbers this season marcus and bruno when they have a dip in form i mean our pogba stepped up with a few important goals cavani's done a few but that's the biggest problem for me when your two key players don't perform and there's nothing else in the side and that's a problem we've seen that with spurs when kane and son don't perform Spurs don't win. I think that's still a problem. You need more quality around them. I'm not necessarily gonna that's why I'm not as harsh on Marcus. I mean, Marcus has played poorly and he he was poor today. He really was. I think he's injured. Played. I really do. Like I, I he shouldn't do. play then, Rob. That's the exactly. thing. Oli shouldn't be picking players. And this is a problem. If Marcus is undroppable or if he turns around to Oli and says, Right, I'm gonna play, and Oli picks him, what does that send? What message does that send to other players? You know, why is Shaw improved? Because he's had Telez there for competition and Sean knows that if he doesn't play, Telez is in, in for his spot and he's gone up a level. I do think that Marcus perhaps is is comfortable. I would argue that he he knows he's undroppable. And and so when he plays poorly, it's not like Oli's going to take him out of the team. I mean, I'm surprised he subbed him today. We haven't seen that ever, I think, this season. So that's kind of my view on it. And I just think he needs to maybe sit out a little bit and Oli needs to change it up. Yes, he... <sighs> I don't want to just
2: sound like I'm contradicting you, Hader. I really, really don't. I don't believe for a second that he's comfortable. I don't believe it's like that. I don't think there's there's players in the team. As I've said, I think there's one player who is pretty much undroppable, and that's Bruno. Bruno's the guy in the year that's taking you on leaps and bounds. So he's the player that starts and everything works around him, whether it be uh, Cavani up top or Marcus on the left or the right or Pogba in a pivot or Pogba forward. I, I think that's how it works. I think that whenever you talk to any footballers, they always say the same thing is that if they can play and get through the pain barrier, they will tell their manager they're fit. Yeah. Every footballer wants to play. So if they've got a knock and they can manage it and they go and get a rest for the night and they wake up in the morning and they can run on a dodgy ankle or they've stubbed a toe and they'll play for it. Look at Scotty today. Yeah. Scotty was ill. He shouldn't have really started. I'm sure he's probably told his manager. I can do it. Let me pop some pills and I'll run for you boss, that's what I'll do because I'm a worker. And he tried to do that, and obviously he couldn't. He had to come off. Now, their decisions are fine margins. So I do sympathise where Oli wants to play Marcus because no doubt that on the left-hand side, he's still our best player in the team. Would we agree on this? You know, Yeah, I agree with you. You play him because he's your best option on that side. However, what we saw last season was that Marcus got his repetitive injuries and eventually ended up with a broken back in terms of the, the two fragment injuries that he had. And then he was out for a long spell. This season, we've already seen that he had the shoulder injury, which he kind of worked through and then got a knock again. And you can see it just slows down everything Marcus Rashford is. And, and it slows his game down in here. He's not quite as sharp. You see that it, it's he doesn't press with authority. He doesn't run with the ball. He doesn't dribble the same. So it is difficult because your only option then is to play someone else. And if you're thinking Mason's not ready to start because he's still not quite there, which I think is the truth, I think that's where we are with him, then Ole's going to say, right, I'm going to start with Marcus. And I think that was why Marcus got pulled. There was no surprise to me. I really did think that last 15, 20 minutes, he would be the guy that got pulled. Martial only obviously came on in the first half. So it makes sense that to keep everyone fit and firing that you bring on your young kid for the last 15, 20 minutes. But I think it just shows the Man United with the hierarchy is that they still need an injection of quality. And I think that's kind of where we are as as a squad going forward.
1: Yeah, I would agree with the, the final point about the hierarchy. Rob, we've got a question here. So Lakesh is saying... My incl- inclination is that McFred has run its course and Hen- Henners is saying here, I'll let you answer this one. He sets up not to lose against the top sides, has done it in all the semifinals and lost. Surely it's a mentality thing. McFred needs to stop. I'll let you answer this question. Well, it's, it's a shame we obviously can't ask the question back out because
2: I don't know what the double pivot did wrong today when they were on the pitch, those two. You know, we know that they are not technically or tactically the best but the issue today is not from the double pivot. You know, it, in fact, it could almost be every other position, bar I would say left back. I think Luke Shaw looks busy again today. And you could see today with Luke Shaw, what we missed against Sheffield United was someone who could just either drive the ball or make
1: pretty good decisions. Rob, live- I'd like to give a shout out to wan He was man of the match um, with who scored. I thought I actually thought he was a man of the match for us. Um, and there were two big chances created and they were from Shaw, wan and that says it all. But I thought Wan-Bissaka was brilliant today considering what he's done over the past month or two, I would say where he's been poor, what he did, he, he, good inceptions today. He provided width. He got into attacking positions. He's the one that did the cross for Cavani when he tried to sort of, I don't know, we tried to clip it right at the end. I thought Wan-Bissaka was, was much more improved today. And I thought the two fullbacks are probably our two best players.
2: I think Wan-Bissaka on the front foot is definitely improving. No doubt about it. You know, he's, he's getting into maybe areas where you want him to be, but, it's no good getting in those areas unless you produce some kind of quality and some productivity. Now he is showing signs of that, better crossing ability, maybe better decision making in that final third. But what I'll say is this there was two blocks that he made and one real stunning one on the front on the back post where he gets across from, from William,
1: yeah. From With the Willian. one where he was out of position. But he, but he was out blocks. of position. Yeah. But that's, he was out of position. Yeah. So
2: they're going. Oh, look at that block from Wambasaka. You know, well done, Wambasaka. He's out of position. It's his fault. He makes a big mess of that. When the ball's going over his shoulder, he tries to kind of swing a boot at it and then he has to recover. Do you know what? When you are in that mentality of I can always recover, one day you're going to make a mistake and someone's going to score. And then we're going to sit here going, oh, he made the error. So for me, you have to highlight the error, even if there wasn't a goal. So I don't care about the block. Yeah, that's your job get in the way. There was a block today from Maguire that was really, really good where Maguire stood up, I think to Lacazette in the middle and he just stood up and took it face on and it kind of hit his leg and bounced away. And you thought, yeah, that was a good moment. But do you know what I didn't like was the other four moments where Maguire was on the wrong side of Lacazette and allowed Lacazette to either spin him or to yeah. move into the space or to exploit the channel. And twice, There was once on the edge of the box where he kicks him and he goes down and it's a free kick and Maguire gives it the old, oh, referee, you know, what's he doing? You know, you've kind of went down easily. No, it's a free kick, uh, Maguire. You're on the wrong side. So if you're on the wrong side of the player and you make a tackle, and I think I can remember at least three times where Wambasaka did that today. So, if he's the man of the match and that's how bad it is for Manchester United, that shows a bad man United where that he was our man of the match. No, wait, he wasn't, mate. He,
1: return wasn't, return he,
2: wasn't anywhere, he wasn't. anywhere near a man of the match performance. He didn't get a bottle of champagne from me. What I will say is this, is that he's definitely getting better on the front foot, but he still makes defensive errors. Yeah, that's hard. And the issue for us in defence, and it's been the same for weeks and we say all the time, is that it's the, the space between Wan-Bissaka and Lindelof and that channel, because Lindelof isn't quick enough to, to cover over and Wambasaka isn't clever enough to drop in. And that is an issue because that's is, that's a technical problem for the defence. And if Ole doesn't solve that, there will be a time when that is the error in a match where you lose it. Could have been today. Smith-Rowe absolutely exploited that when he could. And you saw today Lacazette, he had plenty of joy. If they'd had a Aubameyang today, we'd have lost. Because Aubameyang plays in that space. So Aubameyang would have got the ball at his feet and would have got two or three or four opportunities off in the channel. And then we wouldn't be talking about Aaron wambasaka being man of the match.
1: Yeah, I'd agree defensively on the front foot. I thought he was more improved, as you said as well. Rob, we've got a question here from Jordan. <laughs> hey, Dan Rob, can I ask generally, do you think Oli can win us trophies, whether that's league or otherwise? I'm not Oli out, by the way. I, look, I've made my, my thoughts very clear on Oli and a lot of people know in the past I really liked Pochettino I was very very keen on him to come in but I'm not going to sit here and say that Oli Gunnar Solskjaer should get sacked because we've been on a fantastic run where we were yes we were top of the table for a little bit I just think it's very knee-jerk to to think about those sort of questions because it's still a still progress progress isn't linear what I will say though is that serious questions now need to be asked with the coaching team, they need to do something with the system. They need to change things up because it's clearly not working. And I feel like while we were progressing, it's, it's starting to plateau a little bit. And that's where I expect the coaching team to, to change things up, like I said, or to, you know, to change players around or implement something different. Because I do think that too many times, Rob, we've got too many passengers in this side and that showed today. Is it the system? So when we talk about systems and, we equate that to
2: coaching because I said this in the last game and we were like, you know, is it Ole or is it the players? And I kind of said, it's got a kind of a bit of both, but Ole has to carry that on a day like today where we're playing our best team. I think that was our best 11 for this game. You know, you might've, you know, played Mason or not. That's a kind of neither here nor there, but this, this system is ingrained in this team. So what was it about this today that didn't work? is that the coaches where the coaches go away and say, right, this is our fault? Or is it just that players not being brave enough, not being aggressive enough, not putting the ball in the deck and actually playing football, Haydar? You know, there was loads today where there was just so many sloppy passes. And we did see that against Sheffield United as well, where a few people said to me on Twitter, they were in, oh, possession's not really an issue at United, it's other things. But for me, football starts with passing a ball 10 yards, always. And this man, United were just not very good at it. They're just not very good at it. When you pass the ball out from the back, and that's clearly what Ole is trying to do, isn't yeah, it? Yeah, it's can very, very clear.
1: That's, that's just, that's
2: and that's tactic. the philosophy that I would say nine out of ten managers in the Premier League are doing. Yeah, So it's not a new thing. It's not a kind of United you know, like trying to play expansive football that they can't play. This is what everyone's doing. The coaching tactics come from the coaching manual, and they're adapted, and that's how you get your tactics for your team when you look at your strengths and your weaknesses. But one of the things that you expect is that players can at least pass the ball. And so for me, it's not about the double pivot, can they pass the ball? It's really looking at, say, Maguire and Lindelof as a starting point, looking at David De Gea. You know, David De Gea, I think, is still a, a very, very good goalkeeper, still in the top echelon of goalkeepers throughout Europe. But he's got to be able to do something with a ball at his feet that other goalkeepers now do, whether it be in Allison or in Edison. And even other players, you're looking down the league now and you are seeing. Uh, goalkeepers coming in uh, maybe teams outside the top 10 who can play out from the back from their goalkeeper. If David De Gea can't make that pass, then what do you do? There's a big question Neither can
1: Henderson. I don't think that's a strength of his game. And the issue
2: is, the issue is is that neither can Henderson. So you're completely right. So this is why you don't make that change on that merit. Because if you had a goalkeeper that could do that or could pass out from the back, then you start thinking about it, but that's not where we are. So you have to decide, you say to yourself, wow, Do you take a whole philosophical change and buy a goalkeeper that can do that? you got to remember, that's exactly what Guardiola did when he bought Edison. He went, no, I'm going to go to the next level with this because I'm going to play out from the back. That's exactly what Klopp did. Carrius was a pile of junk. So he went, right, I've got to go and get a goalkeeper that can do this for me. He bought Alisson, world record fee, you wouldn't say Alisson was the best goalkeeper in the world at Roma, of course not, but he fitted what he wanted to do. So these are the kind of bigger questions that Ole's going to have to answer going forward because one of the things that I felt today, and this is not a tactical analysis, this is me just looking at it as a fan or as a journalist, was that I looked at Harry Maguire today and there was a few things that I just saw too slow, need to be quicker. Uh, Harry, Maguire, Harry Maguire got need, shown up
1: by Lacazette today. You,
2: you need, he was basically man-marking Lacazette and that should be Harry Maguire's strength Harry Maguire if he's there and he can play over five yards off his player he should be able to deal with that and say right I'm staying goal side I'm going to stay strong and when the ball's in the air, I'll challenge him because he's never going to beat me and I'm going to be kind of a little bit savvy when the ball's on the deck and I didn't think he was good enough with the ball on the deck today he wasn't good enough in the mark he wasn't really good enough in getting the team going because that's what we expect him to do now there was Two or three times where he trotted up the pitch with the ball and that looked good. You kind of took it into midfield and got United 20 yards forward and that's his job. But we need more. We need more. That's not, you know, I looked at it today and do you know what I did think again? This is again, just the thoughts of a football fan. I watched it and I thought Van Dijk does not struggle in that situation today. If Van Dijk is fit for Liverpool and he's got Lacazette playing goal side and he's one-on-one with him, he's never going to get out sprinted. He's never going to get done on the deck. He's never going to get done in the air. This is, I think, the way United need to think going forward when we talk about recruitment, because you need to find players that, that tick all those boxes. And this is the first time now, I've not looked at the the number of games, but Maguire's been at the club almost now two years. This is kind of what we're looking at, isn't it? We're coming up to the, the two-year anniversary uh, of when United pulled the trigger and brought him to the team. I don't think he's a bad player. You know, and I've backed him again, over and over and over again. But now I'm thinking, right, how'd you get to the next level? We know Lindelof's not that player. Do you now find someone that's better than your captain? I've got no issue with Maguire's leadership skills. I really haven't, because I don't think that he needs to be Roy Keane. I don't think he needs to be screaming at people and bawling at them. I don't think that makes you
1: a better footballer. But I'm talking about tactics and the the technical elements of the game. The issue with Maguire, and I've been saying this, I, I personally do not think, even if if you put Harry Maguire next to a Van Dyke, the problem is that he's the captain, so he's not going to get dropped. Doesn't matter who you bring in. Van Dyke's maybe a bad example. Let's say Manchester United, for example, go and get Upa Meccano. I still don't think that partnership is a good enough partnership to win the league. I really don't, because I don't think Maguire is good enough, and that's that's my biggest issue. That I don't think Maguire is infinitely better than Lindelof I don't think he's infinitely better than Bayi. I think they're all very level we've seen with Axel Axel as well obviously he's not at the level yet or he might never get to that level I think the ge- biggest problem is because he's your captain and Oli's adamant he's going to play every single game you're a little bit stuck there because if Oli decides that he's going to take him out of the team and let's say they decide to get rid of Maguire that's an 80 million investment that's gone poorly so I think Oli's hands are tied behind his back. He's bought an £80 million centre-back and he has to play him. And unfortunately now it's like, how do you, we have to fit Maguire into the side? I thought Maguire was worse than Lindelof today. I thought Lindelof had a decent-ish game. I thought Maguire was getting pulled left to right centre. I just thought he was. He looked uncomfortable with pace and Lacazette had a field day. And I completely agree with you on the Van Dijk point that that wouldn't have happened. If United win, want to win the league, I think there's actually more holes in the team. And I'm noticing this as the weeks go on than I first thought. I thought it was maybe three or four players. I think it's five or six, Rob, genuinely. I think there's a lot of players in that side who are lucky to be at Manchester United. They're honestly lucky to be at Man United. But let, let's use, use the
2: Luke Shaw analogy as our base point because we all said at the start of the season we needed a left-back. We went and bought a left-back, a guy who had elite attacking stats in Europe, one of the best in Europe in terms of that, but had defensive deficiencies. And Luke Shaw has responded to that by putting out Premier League all star level performances as a left back. He really has. You know, even today, you saw he was pushing the envelope. He was the guy kind of driving at the correct times and doing the right things. My issue for, for me is not if Harry Maguire can be better. It really isn't. Harry Maguire cannot be quicker. He just can't be. It's impossible. He'll never be quicker than what he is today. And that is a problem for me. And that is why I think Lacazette got a little bit of joy today. He didn't get loads of joy. You know, let's be honest. Arsenal didn't score a goal and, you know, their best chance came from a couple of free kicks. But I think overall, when I look at kind of what I want from my centre-back, I need some more control, whether it be controlled defensively or control to get the team going in the right direction. Now, Maguire, I think, has actually, in the last six months, improved with the ball at his feet. So he now steps out of the pocket. He doesn't stay as flat. United don't look as nervous in that in that aspect. But it's still really, really difficult that if you lose the ball when you step out of the pocket and you are stuffed because you've got no recovery at all. And that affects not just that player, but obviously the player next to him, the player on his outside on the left, and then obviously the right back who's thinking, do I stick or do I twist? That's my issue. That's why when I'm saying this now, it's not whether you put Maguire plus one. And I don't believe Ole thinks like that. I don't think Ole's a fool. If he thought that Maguire wasn't his guy, wasn't the right player, in terms of when he looks at all of the, the statistical information that he gets, I don't think he says I don't drop him because he's a captain. I really don't. I don't think Ole's that, that much of a fool. I think if Ole said this guy was hurting me, and I'm not saying that either. I'm not saying that he's hurting United. I'm saying that looking at the chemistry of the team, how do you now start to nitpick and find better solutions to become a better team? And you know what? The irony of it is we're saying here that Paul Pogba is our best ball player. But it might be that when you sell Paul Pogba, and I think that's what will happen, is that you might buy two players. You might go and buy a Rice and a Neves who are not better than Paul Pogba, either of them. But Rice and Neves, positionally, might give you control of a part of the pitch that then allows your attack to go and be more fluid.
1: Yeah, the team would get better even though you sell a better player, if that makes sense.
2: Correct. And that's happened so much over time. And the biggest example I always give is the year that Michael Owen walked out of Liverpool and went to Real Madrid. He was everything to Liverpool. He was the star. He was European Football of the Year. He was everything, yeah? And they sold him. He went to Real Madrid. And Liverpool, who were weaker then the following season, went and won the Champions League. So you can go and do it if you kind of jig things around, sometimes in force, like, you know, if Maguire got a bad injury and was out for a year, United might have to think about signing a quick one to kind of bring someone in, depending on the timing. I'm just saying, laterally, going forward, that I think we need a centre-back who has pace, who can play football, who is commanding. And Jurgen Klopp said it best the other day. There is not an £80 million centre-back out there. There is not a Van Dijk that you can just go and click and say, right, I'm going to go and get him. People have talked about Paul Torres. People have talked about Open Meccano. Kubayi is obviously going to be moving at some point soon, I think. obviously yeah, he's available summer. again, isn't he? Yeah. He's yeah. available. See, there are options to go and get better, but it doesn't mean that it's, the, that it's the, the move that gets you over the top. It just might be the move that gets you closer to being consistent. United won beating for 15 games up until the Sheffield United match. They weren't beaten today. That's a positive. But what we do want to see in Manchester United is that they play more football like a Manchester United team that we expect to see.
1: Yeah, great points there. Rob, I'm going to read out Russ's comment because I think it's a brilliant one. Croy for once said, if you can't pass the ball, then you can't play football. As a professional, they should have mastered the controlling and passing of football. I thought that was a really nice yeah, I agree, comment.
2: that's true. I think and, I'm totally uh, down with that, yeah.
1: Rob, Jordan, we, did, we didn't actually answer His question What was the motion? Oli can win us trophies.
2: I'll answer it then. Um, I don't think that this season United could certainly do something in one of the cups, there's no doubt about it. But do I think that Manchester United can win the Premier League under Oli Gunnar Solskjaer this season? From day one, I've said no, and I've seen nothing that changes my mind. So that's this is why I wasn't getting too high when we were top. It was nice, but it certainly wasn't making me feel dreamy or like. That, that here we go, we're going to see some kind of miracle here. I still think United have got a lot to work through. And we know with this team that they are dysfunctional. They might go in the next game and be absolutely brilliant and we'll all be like, oh, it just clicked again and we're back and 10 games unbeaten and then they go on. They're that kind of team. But I would like to see a team maybe that's got a little bit more kind of nouse about it and how it plays from back to front. Still very ragged. There was a one point in this game where today, it was so messy, and I was just thinking, I feel like I'm watching one of my kids playing in their, their school team. Balls in the air. It was over here. It was kind of getting chipped over into, and I was thinking, what are you doing? This is not football. This is kind of like percentage football. And then it was like, put the ball on the deck and play football. If you want to be a top 14 and you want to be a championship-winning team, you've got to play proper football. Liverpool and City have absolutely proved that, and United have proved that in years gone by.
1: Yeah that's my biggest problem Rob there's no one there that's that's just taking control of everything you know a Carrick sort of player a Scalzi. we don't have that and you know what I saw from Fred today as well and Fred had a decent game but what Fred does and this is the reason why when people call for him to play you know in the double pivot let's say with Pogba I know he played with Pogba today but every time he just dives into challenges Rob every single time and people just go around him And unfortunately, I feel like sometimes there isn't enough there with some of our players. There isn't enough understanding, perhaps, of their roles. There isn't enough understanding of of the positions they're playing. And myself, and I've said this before, I think the only way that we are going to fix these problems is by going and buying smartly. I I do have faith, Rob, in Oli and the scouting team. And we've seen the the purchases that we've made, and they've been good signings. But the question is, are we going to be able to go and buy and fix all of these issues in one chancellor window, the answer is most likely no, and we won't get into the owners. But there is a good question here, Rob, from H Mon's Money, saying, are we still a moments team at the end of the day? Now, something Gary Neville kept on saying is, he kept on saying the odd bunch from Old Trafford. And I do agree with him because this side, sometimes you watch them and there's periods there where you think, how are we in second place in the Premier League? You you wonder because, you know, there are games. You look at the West Ham game, where we were absolutely terrible. We have some very good players who can turn it on their head at any given moment. So I think it's fair when people do ask, are we a moment team? I, I don't necessarily agree with that. I think what we've seen in the last couple of games is just that we've had a little bit of a blip. We lo- last week I was midweek, sorry, was poor. Today the intensity wasn't there. I still think there's there is a structure. Th- it definitely needs work. My biggest issue is we can't control games for you know the full 80 90 minutes we are a team that does it in spells but i think it's a little bit unfair to say we just we just rely on moments or just on individual brilliance because we've shown you don't win 15 16 or unbeaten in 15 just on moments do you or you don't go unbeaten in the whole calendar calendar year away just on moments yeah you do i think we're a moments
2: team i absolutely 100% think we're a moments team this is it we can put it together in moments 10 minute spells 15 minute spells yeah, we don't win games over the consensus of a 90 minutes, in my opinion. You know, we do. We 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 have these kind of magical moments where we, we get high because we see Bruno burst into the box and score a goal or we win a penalty and we, we win the match. Uh, 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 when you play Sheffield United, if you're not a moments team, let's say we're the opposite of a moments team and we're more complete, then you do the job against Sheffield United. Yeah, you do the job against maybe those home games early in the season where United weren't quite fit. You find a way of getting the ball in the deck, and even though you're not fit, you keep the ball long enough to not lose the game. I think United are a moments team, and this is why that when they've had bad moments, and I think a good way of highlighting that is saying the three semi final defeats from last season. We, you, when those bad moments collide with you, you then don't have what it takes to go and win the game. Or
1: win are it you back. saying we're a moments team as in just we rely on? Are you saying individual brilliance? Because I see that thrown around around no, a lot. There.
2: No, I I think we rely on in games like today. There was a moment where United had two or three opportunities in the second half, where we just got we just broke away on the counter, and that was our best chances of the game. Those chances didn't come from Manchester United being excellent in midfield or transitioning from defence to midfield to attack because that would be a completist view of the football team, isn't it? Yeah, a lot of turnovers, wasn't That's time what overs, we, we'll that's that's it, what right we would love to see, you know. Yeah, totally, you know, that's, it is turning the ball over. What we see with Manchester United is that they can do it in a kind of 10-second spell. They can kill you in 10 seconds. So I agree with Gary Neville and I agree with what that question, the sentiment was, was that our Manchester United at the moment's team? And you can get to the top of the table where we are now second, third and fourth by being a moments team, because it's only about winning games. You know, and you can win games in moments. There's no doubt about it, but if you want to win the title, you can't be a moments team. No, you, you have to go be. away. You have to go away to all the horrible places when it's pouring down with rain and it's nasty and it's winter and you have to go there and you have to bore the opposition into defeat. And, and that's how you become champions. And that's why United are a moments team for me, because we do it in flashes. Marcus Rashford, has you actually look at the stats, Rashford, Greenwood and Martial, their actual whole stats for 12 months are really, really good. But that's because they do it in moments. Yeah, they're streaky.
1: I say that all the time.
2: And they're streaky. So that, that yeah. actually is the proof that they are a moments team and not a completest team. Because they don't score every week. And that would be crazy. Because if they did, United would be champions. Mm. But they do it enough to kind of get you going in the right direction. Marcus Rashford, you know, this is what I would be saying to Olay now. If we look at that as an example, I'd be saying, if you are injured, tell me and go and rest, and we get you fit, and I play and I play Mason. But if you've got to be honest with me because otherwise I'm going to pull you. And I think that's what happens at the moment is that these players really do want to win. They do want to play for Olay, but maybe they're going a little bit too far and that's actually hurting the team when you talk about putting the ball on the deck.
1: Yeah, I think, that's, I think that's very fair. Rob, let's go to the final word. My thoughts are that it's a missed opportunity. I think we've seen the, the ceiling for this current side. And they're not going to win the title this year. I think Man City are going to walk it now. I think one of the biggest disappointments for me is the lack of intensity, urgency, creativity today. I, I mean, I, if you look to both sides out there today, I wouldn't be able to tell which one's sitting in second place and which one's sitting down in tenth. That's that's how I felt. I think there's a lack of, um, lack of cutting edge, I suppose, but also ruthlessness in this side. And I do... What I will change my mind on is, you know, when I was giving Marcel a hard time, but I actually do feel sorry for him. When you looked at Cavani today, he, he, he looked just, he looked poor today. I mean, he'd made some nice movement into channels, but he looked poor today. Being a striker in this Manchester United side is a horrible, horrible task. It really is. We do not create enough. We, uh, you know, we, we don't provide enough service. So for me, that's the first area we need to improve. But moving forward, I, I think we need to get back to winning ways. The Southampton game is massive. We've achieved a fair amount this season, but it's not anywhere done. We can't let our season fall apart in a short spell, you know, five games. So I think today was disappointing We brush ourselves off and we move on. Yes, but I would say that I think the
2: Southampton game will be tougher than this game and the previous game. So people didn't like what they saw against Sheffield United and they didn't like what they saw today stay against Arsenal, the Southampton game is going to be harder. Why? Because the Southampton are the hardest working team in the Premier League. That's statistically a fact and they will work and work and work. They will clog up the channels. They won't let United go and do the work. Today, United had the opportunity to play in the channels and they didn't do it. So I agree with what you said there about Cavani and Martial and I think that that is a historical problem at United. It was a problem for Romelu Lukaku. You know, the way United play... we found it hard to kind of create for him because we were not making chances. But I think overall, when you kind of look at where United go now going forward, they've got to find a way to become a better football team when the ball is on the deck and do some of the basics. And then you might find that you're in a position to win again.
1: Yeah, I think that's very fair. Guys, thank you all for all your comments. It's been absolutely brilliant. Thank you for your support as always. This is The Masterclass, and we will see you next time.